want you to open your Bibles for a few minutes this evening to Romans chapter 8. I want to share just something that's on my heart today. Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 18 in just a moment here. I want to read 18 through 22 in just a, just a moment here. Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through verses 22. Now look at me a second before I read this. In the beginning, chapters of the Bible, you know, Genesis is such an important, such an important part of the Word of God because if we didn't have Genesis, we, you know, it's the book of beginnings, we wouldn't know the beginning of many things. We wouldn't even know where our world came from. But when God created in the beginning, He said He spoke, and then you, you catch this phrase, it was good, right? It was good. He created the world, the sun, moon, stars, created man, and he says, it's good, it's good. Then he created man, it's very good, you know, but it was good. Now think about this, the world that was created first was a perfect world. And think about this, there was no, there was no suffering in that world, there was no, certainly there was no sin in that world. It's a world that's very different than the world that we live in today. But that world was perfect, and Adam had perfect fellowship and communion with God, but then all of a sudden, you know, in that world, there was no sorrow, no suffering, no shame, uh, no sin, as I've said. But all of a sudden, we have what's called the fall. And after the fall, everything changed. God's, man and God's relationship changed. Man's relationship to man changed. Man's relationship to the world around him changed. And now... We live in a world, and, and it's a world. Now think about this, because this is what I want to talk about this evening. We live in a world of suffering. You, you, you can, wherever you go in the world, you could just reach your hand out this far, and you're going to find someone suffering, someone hurting. You're going to find someone burdened. You're going to find suffering. It's everywhere. And, it, and it's, it's, uh, it's non-discriminatory. You can go to Africa, and there's suffering there. You can go to Asia. You can go to Russia. You can go to Central America, South America. You can go, into, you can go around here, and it's an equal opportunity you know, uh, employer, so to speak, to where there's a lot of suffering in our world. Now, look at this verse, beginning in verse 18. It says in Romans 8, verse 18, For I consider the sufferings, notice this, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Verse 19, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits the revealing of the sons of God. Verse 24, the creation is subje was subjected to futility, notice not willingly, but, but because of him who subjected it, but not hopeless, he, he did it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know, notice, the whole creation, the whole cre it wasn't like this before. The whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Now there's a phrase here I want you to pick up in verse 18. The sufferings of this present time. So here's what that means in a sense. It means this. The world is not what it was, but today it's not what it's going to be. 
We're, we as the children of God, we're, we're heading somewhere. We long for that day that Revelation says here, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There should be no more death. That's a prophecy. No more sorrow, nor crying. There should be no more pain, for the former things has passed away. Think about this, the, pre- the sufferings of this present time. The present time that we're in now is a time of suffering. I'm going to talk about three areas of where where we will experience suffering. And some of you sit here tonight and there's an area of suffering in your life. So just think about today. I think about just the sufferings that I've viewed today. Just the senseless, I've read a couple few articles there, glanced at them, of the senseless taking of one human being taking the life of another human being and the suffering that brings. I think of an article I glanced at today of a precious little toddler, a little child, that was so abused that the child died. I think about the boy in Minneapolis that was thrown off the third floor balcony in that Mall of America. The, the, The terrible suffering. The boy's still in hospital now, recovering. Thank God he survived. I think of the tensions that are going on with North Korea. I think of the, the, the saber rattling that's going on and the, the rhetoric with uh, Iran that's going on right now. But you realize that a large part of the suffering that's going on in our world today is not some kind of random kind of thing that we experience just because we are in a fallen world. But most of the stuff that's happening, most of the suffering that's going on is because of what one human being is doing to another human being. 2 Peter 1 and 3 and 4, rather, talks about this, that we've escaped, listen to this, escaped the corruption that's in the world through evil desire. Why is our world corrupt? Because men are acting out, instead of acting out of the Holy Spirit nature of the born again, they're acting out of sinful nature. So we think about that. So just consider this, that when a person is surrendered to Jesus Christ, everything changes there in that person's heart. At that moment when someone is saved, they're taken out of Adam's race and they're placed into a new, new redeemed race. And that person is redeemed. That person is forgiven. That person is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. They're, they're raised to a new redeemed position in Christ, according to Ephesians. They're beloved by God. And at that moment, God's preparing for them a place in heaven at that moment of salvation. But it doesn't end there. You know, when we're saved, it doesn't end there. It just begins there. And at that moment, when I'm saved, what do I need to do? When, I, when, I, when I'm saved, let's say in a place like this, and I, and I walk out the door, what do I need to do? God wants us to live for him. You know, John, uh, Mark 8 talks about he wants us to take up the cross. You know, if you're going to follow me, take up the cross. That's a, that's a symbol of suffering. So how many know that living for Jesus is, there's a cross involved in it? In other words... There's going to be some suffering involved in that. And so what I want you to see tonight is this. We don't just enjoy the benefits of salvation. There's also some responsibilities involved in that. Many blessings, but part of the responsibility is that this. You need to know this. You need to hear this. If you're listening, say, just say amen real quick. There's going to be different seasons in your life. You know, we, we're, we're going into summer season. It got hotter today, didn't it? But not long ago, it was kind of cold, you know. And we're now getting a little spring and a little bit of summer. And then we're going to get into fall later. And there's different seasons. Now, I'm going I'm to I'm tell you this. 
as a believer, there's going to be different seasons in your life. And some of those seasons are night seasons. And some of those seasons are dark valley seasons. And some of those seasons are seasons when you're praying and you're believing God and everything just kind of seems silent. And it seems like the heavens are brass. Now in every season, I think we sang it tonight, in every season, it's a season that God is with us. It may be a dark season. I know Sister Donna, in her life, she's been through some dark seasons in her life. Even as a young woman, dark seasons in sorrow, in deep sorrow. But in all of those seasons, God's promised to be with us. I love the, 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 the lyric tonight that talked about God will fulfill his promises. And you know what one of those promises are? One of those promises are that the Lord will be with us in those dark moments, in those difficult moments, in those lonely seasons, down through the valley of the shadow of death. Really, that's not physical death itself. It, it includes it, but it's dark valleys, difficult moments in our lives. And what concerns me, and this is what I want to talk about this for a few minutes, is that, that if we don't learn to weather these seasons, you know, there's a lot of believers that start out the race, and, and then they come to a hard moment. They come to a difficult moment. And they, don't, they never learn and they've never been taught that you're going to have to weather some difficult seasons. I've been watching some sailing videos. I think I could be a sailor. I really do. I know that doesn't mean anything to you. I really, I think I could be a beach bum. I really do. But I'm watching these people sail. And, and sometimes it's really calm. But sometimes they're going through hard seas and hard winds, and they're having to press through things, and it's knocking them off course and here and there. And, and really, that's a good analogy to the Christian life, because there's not always calm waters. You're going to have to learn to weather difficult seasons in your life. And, and there's many believers that stumble during those seasons. In fact, Jesus spoke about it in Matthew chapter 13. He says that the, they received the word, but then in time of trial, temptation, they were stumbled in that. We have to learn to weather those seasons. And, and God will allow those seasons in our lives. And he doesn't allow those seasons to harm us. But actually, if we'll weather those seasons, we'll keep our faith in God and keep our trust in God, we're actually going to be stronger. We're going to be better, not only on the inside, but better for the Lord. He's going to establish us. He's going to strengthen us. He's going to be with us. And we're actually... Um, Look at James with me, if you would, please. James chapter 1. I'm just going to read a verse here. James chapter 1, verse number 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he is approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love. Now look at this. If you endure, there's blessing that comes. You see that verse? When you endure, there's a crown of life that's coming to you if you'll but you don't get it unless you unless you endure. Je, uh, two, 2 Timothy 2:12 says if we if we endure with him we're going to reign with him. So there's blessing there. So I want you to look at just just for a moment here. I want you to think about this present time of suffering. So here's the question and just three things I want to share with you. And one or, or the question is this where does suffering come from? 
Because you need to know this, not all of our suffering comes from the same place. Okay, so here's three, three things. Number one is some of the suffering that we experience is from our own selves. Some of the suffering that we experience is out of our own actions. God has created laws in our world. He's created laws of sowing and reaping. Now think about that. Laws of sowing and reaping, cause and effect, action, reaction, sowing and reaping. The Bible talks about this. And some of the actions that people get into, you know, they, you know, a lot of times we want to blame it on the devil, blame it on someone else. And you realize that some people go through their entire life and they're just simply trying to blame their problems on other people. But the Bible talks about the, the, the results of our actions. For instance, let's take someone who gets into reckless driving. They're driving too fast and something happens. God didn't do that and the devil didn't do that, you see. What about people who eat the wrong things or they take illicit drugs and they damage their bodies? That happens. That's big time right now. What about those who want a good marriage, but yet they violate all the marriage laws, laws of love? What if they commit adultery? What if they lie? What if they spend money that they didn't tell their spouse about and all of a sudden there's conflict? Well, the devil didn't do that. God certainly didn't do that. That's poor choices that we make. Am I, am I right? What about somebody who is hypercritical. You know, Jesus said, judge not that you be not judged. And, and then we take that verse and we misinterpret it, that nobody can ever correct anything. No, the Bible's just talking about an ultra-critical, self-righteous person. We got that? Yep. It doesn't mean that we can't deal with sin, but it means that someone who's hypercritical, they're always nasty. And then all of a sudden, people just don't want to be around them. Did the devil do that? Did God? No, that's poor choices and poor actions. What about someone who shows up to late, uh, late constantly to work, and they're always late, and all of a sudden the boss just says, you know, I just can't use you anymore. Work needs to get done here. And all of a sudden said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to cut you loose. And the person goes, oh, it's the devil. I lost my job. No, it wasn't the devil. It was you. It was the devil in the mirror. Come on, amen. I told you not long ago, I said, you need to go home and look in the mirror. That's the person you have to deal with the most. That's the person that's going to give you the most problem is that person in the mirror. But, but the thing is, is that some of our suffering is because of our own poor choices. We're sowing the wrong seeds. And then when the harvest comes in, we're blaming on God. God, you're not good to me. Devil's doing this. No, the Bible's clear. Whatsoever man sows, that will they reap. If they sow to the flesh... They will, of the flesh, reap destruction. If they sow to the Spirit, they will reap everlasting life. There are consequences to our lives. If I, if I drink liquor and whiskey and all of this, it's going to damage my body. I had someone I love very much that, that had a tremendous alcohol problem. Last time I saw them, they were in the hospital, and they were in a bad way. And the doctor told them, you're not going to make it without a miracle and I joined hands with them, and I prayed with them, and they got forgiveness, I believe. They confessed what they, they, they did that to their body. They damaged their body with alcohol, and, and, and they were suffering. Why? Because of the poor choices that, that they made. I watched uh, a year, number of years ago, I don't think this show's on anymore, The Biggest Loser. Remember that, Remember that movie? The Biggest, or movie that show? The Biggest Loser. There was a guy on there that was on 11 medications. 11. He started getting in shape, started eating right. Before the show was over, he wasn't taking, he didn't need one of those medications. How I many know we can do some bad stuff to ourselves? In, in a lot of ways, relationally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, we can do those things. 
But see, many times we suffer because we violate natural law. You know, if I wreck my car into someone because I'm reckless driving and I, and I, I damaged someone's family. Years ago, we had, um, we had a board member of our church when I was in Pennsylvania, uh, just a wonderful man. His name was Mike. And Mike was such a blessing. And Mike would go every year from Pennsylvania all the way out to Wyoming and Idaho out that way. And he'd go elk hunting every year. Him and his wife would go out, and they just did it for 20 years or plus. And one, one year he went out, and he was coming back, and some drunk driver had just stopped in the middle of the interstate, I-70, just stopped there. He was drunk and just stopped his car, middle of the interstate. I'm talking about 60, 70 mile an hour interstate. And the way it was in the morning time, and, and Mike crested the hill, and he was probably doing 70, and that car was just there. And, you know, reaction is what he just he reacted and he went in the wet median and his car just hydroplane across and hit a van like not head on but just in the side and and just hit that van and it was horrible little boy died in the whole thing it was terrible all because of a man's drinking all because of what someone someone chose to get up and to do something and and so the the point is this a lot of the suffering is because of the poor choices that people make in their lives. And much of it is when, you know, if someone just had poor choices in their life and it just affected them, that's one thing. But you know, it's not, it's not. You reap more than you sow and it affects people's lives. There's, there's people hurting because of the poor choices that have been made. So that's one area of suffering. We live in a suffering world, but some of the suffering is just people are acting out of their sinful nature, making the wrong choices, and they're and and they're reaping a harvest. Well, let's let's make the right choices. Amen. Here's the second second one, and will probably be obvious here. The second source of suffering is just simply Satan. Satan is behind much of the suffering. Now, all the suffering is not from the poor choices people make because do you realize that the Bible says righteous people suffer? Blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness' sake. So just because you're suffering doesn't mean there's sin or you've made some poor choices. You may have made the right choice in your life. And I've, through the years, I've talked to people that have lost jobs because they wouldn't fudge the books or they lost job because they wouldn't go out drinking with the boss at the bar. You know, they didn't want to live that life. And so they conveniently weaned them and weeded them out. Why? Because of righteousness. Satan is the cause of a lot of suffering. We have a picture of this in the book of Job. I won't read that, but you get a good picture in the first chapter there. But there's another passage here that we know it's, you know, the scripture says, your adversary is like a roaring lion, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, like a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. But you don't realize the next verse, verse 9, resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the sufferings, the same sufferings are experienced by your brothers who are in the world. See, there's persecution going on around the world. Reese prayed about it. And a lot of that persecution, where do you think the motive that those people that are persecuting believers around the world, Satan's inspiring that? I mean, who did... Uh, who do you think inspired Herod to do all those evil things to God's precious people? Satan inspires those things in people's lives. So here's the question. Why would God allow Satan to test us like that? Why would, why would God allow the enemy 
to do that in our lives. I mean, we do understand that if there's any suffering, God's had somehow had to allow it. I mean, he's God, right? We do believe he's still God. So he has allowed some things to go on in our lives. But, you know, one of the things is that God can use suffering in our lives. And we really don't want him to do that, but he does. Do you know that when Paul was suffering three times, and, I, you know, to be honest with you, I like these types of verses. And the reason I do is because they realize that when we go through stuff, we're not alone in this stuff, you know. Paul's going through this suffering, and we don't know what it is. We don't know what his thorn is. No, you don't know. You say, what's his thorn? I don't know. You don't know either, because the Bible doesn't say. I would say probably it's suffering when he's preaching and he's being persecuted and physically abused, because the first part of that, you know, that part of that area of the scripture talks about that. But here's the deal. He said three times, I said, God, I can't handle this. I'm paraphrasing. Can't handle this. Three times he had a serious conversation with God. Please, please take this out of my life. You know what God said? God said, I'm not going to take it out of your life. He said, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you grace. My grace is going to be sufficient. My grace is going to be greater than your struggle, greater than your suffering, greater than your difficulty. A guy had a dream one night, and he dreamed in this dream that he was going down a little stream and in a little boat. And, and the boat was almost as wide as the stream. And, and down up ahead of him, there was a huge boulder that was right in the middle. And he was just stopped. And in the dream, he was saying, Lord, remove the boulder. Lord, remove this rock. Remove this obstacle. And all of a sudden, the rock didn't disappear, but the stream got more full. And it got so full that the little boat went on the way. And isn't that what God did for Paul? God didn't remove the boulder. He didn't remove the thorn, but what did he do? He increased the grace. You know, God can increase the grace. He can multiply the grace of God in your life that there's no storm, no difficulty, no suffering that we can't overcome because greater, right? Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. God does something in us when we suffer and we suffer and we keep our faith in God. Here's what God told Joseph. He said to him, He said to his brothers, you meant it for evil. Hear this. But God meant it for what? Good. God meant it for good. God can take our storms. He can take our trials. And he can do something really great that brings glory to his name. When the the Hebrews were in the furnace, the scripture says that, you know, God could have said, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a pass on this one. I'm gonna, I, they're not going to throw you in. You know, and they, God could have done anything. He, they could have thrown them in, and they could have just sprung back out, you know, like a rubber band. Throw them in, and phew, God could have done it that way. He could have done it anyway, because there's nothing too hard for him. But God said, no, I'm not going to give you a pass on this. You're going in the furnace. And they went in the furnace, and all of a sudden, what happened? Because of that, God did something amazing. The king looks in the furnace and said, didn't we throw three in? But look at this, four. And the fourth man's different. The fourth man looks like the son of God. And he said, hey, you guys come out. And then they brought, it brought glory to God. Do you know that in our suffering, sometimes in a mysterious way, God just brings glory. God brings something amazing out of it that will even astound us because he's greater than the storm. But there is a limit. Some of you say, well, I can't handle this anymore. You ever been there? If you hadn't, you will. You will. 
Oh, not me. I'm God's man of faith and power. I walk on water. No, you don't. He walks on water. You sink without him. You ever been to a point where, the, where you're just intense and you're like, God, I just, this, is, this is painful. But here's the neat thing. He, he knows what we can handle. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. He puts a limit on all those things. Amen? So think about this quickly. I'll be finished. Um, one area of suffering is we violate natural law. I mean, if you're nasty to people, that's what you're going to get back. I mean, I'm not real smart, but that's just what I know. But you ever notice if you're friendly? Here's what happened the other day. I was golfing about a month ago, and I was, it was in the morning time, and there was this African-American lady that was at the counter. I was going to get, I was going to get uh, something to eat. I hadn't eaten breakfast kind of early in the morning, meeting some of my preacher buddies. And, and so this lady, I could tell she was frustrated. And I could tell that I didn't know if she didn't like me or if she didn't like the world. I didn't know what was going on. But I knew that there was real tension here. And so I said, you know what? I'm, I'm good. I'll just catch something at the turn after nine. That's what that means. And so then uh, some things happened. So I went back in there. And I was going to get something to drink. And here's what I did. Here's what I did. I said, uh, I said to the lady, I said, uh, I said, how are you doing? She said, whatever. It's very, kind of tense, you know, kind of harsh response. And I said, ma'am, I said, I'm a minister. And I said, how can I pray for you? And immediately when I said that, it's almost like, it's almost like even her body language changed. It's like she went, that wasn't quite that, but it was almost like it felt that way to me. It was like some of the tension just went, and, and she said something, and I said, let me have your hand. And she, she stuck her hand out, and nobody was in there. It was early. No one was in there. So I said, let me, can I have your hand? And she put her hand in my hand. I said, I'm going to pray for you. And I, I said, I'm going to pray a blessing on you. And I prayed for her. I wasn't trying to be Mr. Spiritual Show-Off. I mean, 50 people in there, I probably wouldn't have done it. Because we're not supposed to do those things but I really I cared for her. And, I, and, I, and as soon as I prayed for her, it's almost like, whew. see, you reap what you sow. You know, many times we have the life that we've ordered. Okay, so sometimes suffering comes from we violate laws of love. We violate laws of civility, laws of courtesy. You know, I'm going to do a series on the one another's. We need to be a one another community. That's my series title. That's my series. I've already got the title in my heart. We need to be a one another community. But when we violate those natural laws of human kindnesses, relationships, courtesies, and all this, you get what you order. But the second one is Satan. Satan wants you to curse God. Satan wants to destroy you. If, if it wasn't for God, he would have already wrecked your marriage, your health, and everything else. There's a limit on him. But here's the third area. And we just let this settle in on us this evening. Here's the third. And that is, do you realize that some of our suffering comes from God? Comes from the Lord. You say, really? Oh, no. 
No, I'm a charismatic. I just believe I confess this and speak to that and do this and all this. And I'm just, it's smooth sailing. I'm not going to have any. Oh, if you're going through any suffering, you're out of the will of God. Well, that's a problem in theology because Jesus was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Paul went through a few things. And I heard one charismatic teacher say one time, well, if Paul had known what we know today, he probably wouldn't have had to go through all he did. That's so ignorant, I don't even want to comment on it. But here's what I want you to think about this. Just let this settle in. Would God allow suffering in my life? Yeah, he will. And here's what it's called. It's called chastisement. That's what it's called. But it's not, listen, it's not punitive. It's not, oh, I'm going to see how much pain I can bring. But it's always, hear this, corrective. And it's always redemptive. And it's always for our good. Do you realize that one of, you know, we see God as Savior, we see Him as Master, we see Him as Healer, we see Him as Baptizer, coming King, but another, another aspect of God's character is He is a chastising Father at times. You see it all through the Word of God. Why would God do that? I want to hurry and close. One thing I would have you say, see is this. Write this down. I won't read it for time. Lamentations 3, verses 31 through 33. Lamentations I'm sorry, Lamentations 3, verse 31 through 33. What I want you to see is God doesn't delight in this. He doesn't delight. He's not that way. And it talks about that there. I won't go there. But why would God allow chastisement? Hebrews 12 and 9, that he, sometimes we need correcting. Now, I know we think we're perfect, nigh perfect. But there's areas that God says, I need to correct that. How does God do that? God will bring chastisement. Another thing, Hebrews 12 and 10, I'm giving these references, he wants us to be partakers of his holiness. Thirdly, Hebrews 12 and 11, he wants us to partake of the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Can I tell you this? If there's sin and disobedience in their life, your life is full of chaos. Now, you may on the outside, you may be, Mr. I have it all together, but I can tell you this, if there's unrighteousness and disobedience, there's turmoil on the inside. The greatest thing, one of the greatest things that you can have is a, a conscience that's clean and at peace. So I saw today where some actor had jumped in front of a car and committed suicide. He didn't look 40 years old. I'm thinking he was in a famous like a TV show recently and just jumped in front of a car and killed himself. Now, do you think that do you think he would have given all of his money to just have what you and I have tonight? The peace that we have. We are right with God. The peace of Holy Spirit life. Another reason is that God will chastise when he doesn't want us to be condemned with the world. 1 Corinthians eleven thirty-two. And another reason God chastises us because we don't correct ourselves. 1 Corinthians eleven thirty-one. Remember this in the in the in the in the passage where it's talking about communion and there's there's division and they're desecrating the Lord's body and they're dividing the church and the Lord says if you'll correct yourself I wouldn't have to correct you then I don't want you to be judged with the world you know if if there's here's what I say we know what's going on in our hearts come on right. When, when God's dealing with you about something, well, you Lord, Lord, I didn't know about that. Oh, you know, you go good and well what's going on. And when the Holy, when Holy Spirit deals with us, keep short accounts with God. 
Amen. Keep short accounts with God. All of us go through, all of us go through those times when God deals with us on something. It could, and most of the time, many times, for us as the, those who walk with the Lord, it's attitudinal issues, right? I mean, we're not out getting drunk. I hope you're not out getting drunk, dear God. But we're not out doing those things. We're seeking to really live for God. But many times it's attitudinal issues, bitterness or criticalness or these kind of things. And, and the Lord, the Holy Spirit, gently, gently at first, right? Gently, he'll start, we'll have a prick of conscience. Listen, by the way we said something, by the way we acted towards someone. And then, and then the Holy Spirit deals with us. But you know what happens if you ignore? That voice gets a little stronger. It gets a little more powerful. Can I tell you this? God's a loving God, but He can get your attention. He can pull the rug out from under you. If you think that if you if you are if you and I become arrogant with God, God can pull the rug out from under us and He can make us cry uncle. You know what that means? He can make us cry. He can make us where we we, we get back to the altar pretty quick. My, my point is this. When, okay, let me say it this way. Let me say it in a practical way. What if, what if your children, you tell them to do something or not do something? Let's say, let's say that you tell them not to do something, and they, and they go ahead and do it, and then you deal with them, hoping that they won't do it again. But then all of a sudden, they do it again. And all of a sudden, instead of having a, a submitted heart to you as a parent, that they go... Well, I'm going to do it anyway. Well, Jimmy does it. Well, his mom lets, you know, and then they get that, that attitude thing going on. What are you going to do? You're going to go, oh, well, just go ahead and go ahead and do what you want to do. You know, you're the king of the house. Go ahead. No, that's not what any smart parent does. You listen, you give the appropriate discipline. And sometimes it's just a word. No, you're not going to do that. And then they straighten up and that's all. You don't need to whip them if they respond. But one of the things, and I'm, well, I'm saying, one of the things that we never did as parents, we we never disciplined for mistakes. You never discipline for if they spill the milk off the tray, you don't scream it and yell. It's what happens. It's what they do. They're kids. But it's when willful, hear this, willful against the authority which God has set up, and if they rebel, then chastisement come, and then it gets worse and worse. My point is, God can get our attention. I'll close with this. Amos, I want you to turn over to Amos chapter 4. Amos 4. And I want you to, I want to show you this. I want to show you how God chastises. How does he do it? Is God going to bring some uh, miracle event to chastise me? No, he's not. probably not going to do that. Not going to do that. I want you to notice how God's going to chastise his ancient people right here. This is Amos chapter 4. And let's begin with verse 6. Amos 4 verse 6. He says, uh, also I gave you cleanness of teeth in your cities. Now, when you have cleanness of teeth, that means you don't have any food in your mouth. You know, after a good meal, you have some food in your teeth. These folks had no food. That's, that's the prophetic, poetic way of saying you haven't been eating anything. There's lack, cleanness of teeth. Look at this. And lack of bread in all of your places. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. Oh, my. Oh my, a little lack came along. They were sinning. They were disobeying the Lord. And God said, listen, I want to bless you. 
I want to favor you. Come on, that's what he said to us. I want you to be the head, not the tail. I want to give you more. Than, I want your barns to overflow. I want to bless you so much that you're blessed going out and you're blessed coming in. But God's ancient people begin to worship idols. They begin to disobey him. They begin to dishonor him. And all of a sudden, they don't have enough food. All of a sudden, they're hungry. Now notice how God's going to chastise. Verse 7, and I withheld the rain from you. Got a little dry. Where there was, uh, when there was still three months to the harvest, I made it rain on one city. I withheld rain from another city. One part was rained upon, and where it did not rain, the part withered. So then all of a sudden, some things start withering in our lives. So, the two, so two or three cities wandered to another city to drink water, but they were not satisfied. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. They got thirsty and went to that city, but they didn't realize it wasn't physical water they need. They need to go get God's spiritual water. They need to return to the Lord. Verse 9, I blasted you with the blight and mildew. When, you, when your gardener, uh, gardens increase, your vineyards, your fig trees, your olive trees, your locust, the locusts devour them. Yet, yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. I sent among you a plague after the manner of Egypt. Your young men I killed with a sword, also with your captive horses. I made the stench of your camps come up into your nostrils. Yet, look, notice, you have not returned to me, says the Lord. I overthrew some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. And you were like a firebrand plucked from the burning. Yet, you have not returned to me. Now listen. Let's, let's close this and just think about how to apply this in our own lives. Three areas of suffering could be our own poor choices. I mean, you scream at the boss, it's not going to go well with you. Right? That's the way it is. Natural law. You drive 100 miles an hour down the road, you're gonna, your driving record's going to be bad because that little guy with the blue lights, he's going to come and get you. Just the way it is. It's our own choices. But then there's another area, that's the Satan. Right now, a lot of Christians around the world suffering in ungodly communist governments, anti-God governments, suffering. Not because of anything they did wrong. They're, they're, they're holding strong. God's going to bless them. But then there's this last area. No one gets by with sin. No one gets by with disobedience to God. No one does. All of a sudden... You need to ask yourself, why are things going wrong in my life? Lord, is this you? That's maybe a good place to start. Lord, is there some area of disobedience in my life? Is that why all this is falling apart in my life? Could be. may not be. Maybe Satan. God will tell you. He's your father, right? He'll tell you where the suffering's coming from. But the main thing is to return to him. Amen. Won't we pray together? Father, I thank you for your word this evening. Lord, we do live in a suffering world. Father, we live in a world that wasn't like you created it to be in the beginning. When you said it's good, it's good, it's good, it was good. No sorrow, no suffering, no sin. But Lord, our world today is full of sorrow, full of suffering. And Lord, maybe even in this room tonight, there are those that their hearts are so sad 
Their hearts are so sad because of maybe something that's been done to them or some suffering that they're in or some storm that they're in. But Father, we know that you're the God of all mercy and you're the God of all grace and you're the God that comforts us in all of our sufferings. And so you that are here tonight, I want you just to receive the comfort of the Lord. Receive his mercy. Receive. Why don't we stand? Why don't we just stand for a moment here and just pray for a moment here. Let's just lift our hands and just ask God for his direction, his comfort. Father, we just ask you this evening for the comfort of the Holy Spirit. If you're suffering, especially tonight, if you're going through a trial, you're going through the storm, you need to know this. God loves you. He loves you, and you're not alone. Even if you've made some mistakes, you are not alone. The Lord's there to help you make those corrections, to continue to love you, to bring holiness in your life, to bring peace in your life. Sometimes we can be self-condemned. If you've made a mistake, which everyone has, God is still with you. He's still with you to redeem, to redeem that area of your life. No child of God no, and no area of our lives are hopeless. And Lord, if, there, if, this, if this suffering is coming from Satan, we take up the shield of faith and we right now quench the fiery darts of the evil one. And we say, Satan, we resist you in Jesus' name. You have no part of our lives. We're going to serve Jesus and we're going to weather these storms. And Lord, you're going to lead us not to temptation, but you are going to deliver us from the evil one. We know that the, the evil attacks of the enemy, Father, put a hedge of protection around your people. And Lord, if this suffering in our lives are coming from your chastising hand, we, we, yield, to your, we yield to you as our, as our Father. You know best. You know those areas you need to deal with that are not what you want them to be. And show us what they are. We want to bring quick repentance. We want to submit to you quickly, Father. We just bless you, Lord. Now let's just praise him. Could we praise him? Tori, would you just play something softly? Let's just take one more little moment here, and let's just praise him. Come on, lift your hands and just praise him. Just with your voice, just love him. He loves to hear. He loves to hear us praise him. Just praise him in your storm. I think there's a song we sing like that. We praise him in the storm. I praise you in the storm, Lord. You don't give up on your people. You are with us. You are with us. Be with us, Lord. Be with us. Be with our homes today. Be with us, Lord Jesus. We love you. Lord, don't leave us alone. Don't, Lord, save us from ourselves. Church, that's a good prayer to pray. Save me from myself, Lord. Save me from my own poor choices. Help me not to make those poor choices. Lord, guide me with your eyes. Help me to have your wisdom. Help me to consult you on everything I do, Lord. Help me to be kind to others. Help me to have a sweet spirit. Help me to have good words that I speak to other people. Help me to bless and not to curse. He that would see good days and live long life must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile, the word of God says. Thank you, Father, for your love and mercy. Just ask God right there. Lord, give me a tender heart. That's a good prayer. Lord, give me a tender heart. Forgive me when my heart got a little hard. Forgive me for being cynical. You're so sweet, Lord. You're so kind to us, God, to our failings. You're so good. 
You're so good. You don't deal with us according to what we deserve, but you deal with us in grace and you deal with us in mercy. Thank you, Father. Now, let's do this. Take, take the hand of the person next to you. This, I won't be long here. We'll be done. Just I want you to pray for that person. You know, you never know what a person's going through. Just pray. Pray for them. Would you pray a blessing on them right now? Just right there where you are. Lord, bless the person next to me. Help them through every storm. Help them through every trial and every difficulty. Father, help me to be a friend of that person. Help me not to be a source of discouragement, but Lord, help me to be a source of encouragement, a source of peace and joy, a source of counsel, a source of confidence. Bless my brother. Bless my sister. In the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. This is what God wants. God wants us to know that we're not alone, but that we have a church family that, that we can be loyal to each other and love each other. Not just loyal to God. Hear this. Hear this as your eyes. Not just loyal to God. Oh, I'm loyal to God. But are you loyal to the church? Are you loyal to your brothers and sisters? Are you there for them to help them and lift them? You can't just be loyal to God. It's not just about God. It's about God and His people. Is that right, church? It's about God and His people. So, Lord, we just, that hand, we just pray a blessing. We pray encouragement. That person is special. We thank you for it. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as we close, say this. Greater is he who is in me than he who's in the world. Amen. The greater one's with you. So, Father, dismiss us in your grace tonight. The Lord, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. God bless you.